0: When I, when I was in 8th grade, I paid the stupid tax. When I was in 8th grade, I paid the stupid tax. In fact, I paid the stupid tax a lot from 8th grade through part of my 20s. And I'll explain what the stupid tax is in a minute. But in 8th grade, I really fell in like with a girl named Shelly. I've told you about Shelley before. Shelley really liked me back. We liked each other. It worked on so many ways. She was in band. I was in band. She was an honor student. I was an honor student. But Shelly would ask questions that I did not perceive correctly. One of the questions that she peppered me with a lot was these hypothetical scenarios. If I were running for president and I was married to you, I've told you this story before. If I were running for president and I was married to you and someone else was running for president and they were a man and they were more qualified, who would you vote for? And I stupidly answered Well, Shelly, I would vote for the man who is more qualified. That's my constitutional duty. And do you know she broke up with me? She did. And when she broke up with me, do you know I was surprised? I was. I was. I never saw it coming. I never perceived what really happened the rest of eighth grade and through the rest of high school. It was lost on me. Never saw it coming. When I first became a pastor, I was on staff at a church that had several people, part-time. There were all various kinds of pastors, youth pastor. We had Jim, the small groups pastor. And Jim, the small groups pastor, was so excited because we were launching small groups. It was going to be great. It was awesome. But Jim got frustrated because... Uh, he felt the senior pastor was undermining groups because he was also doing a midweek service. And and he had like a list of things that he felt the senior pastor was doing wrong. So we had this big gathering where we were going to pitch our strategy for small groups to the church's governing board and all of the key lay leaders. And Jim decided that was the perfect opportunity for him to share all the things that the senior pastor was getting wrong. Jim was fired the next day. And he was surprised. I remember when he came into my office and he just, he looked, his face was ashen. He was like, Do you know what Steve just did? He fired me. And I was thinking, What are you? Stupid? (laughs) I was in the meeting. You know, totally, totally caught him by surprise. A few years ago, I had a friend who uh, this was their second kid and the kid was sleeping in their bed a lot. Mom wasn't getting any sleep and there was sickness and there was all this other stuff. And he started not really helping out around the house and he you know, was just avoiding home. And then she started nagging him a lot because he was absent emotionally. He was absent physically. And I remember him coming to me and complaining, you know, she's just henpecking me all the time, da, 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 da. And I was like, (sighs) well, there was this coworker that totally understood and was sympathetic. I'm so sorry you were married to such a hand-pecking wife. That is so tragic. Of course, the coworker was a woman, and she became a shoulder for him to cry on, and when they were out of town, closing the deal with some clients, after the dinner with the clients, she invited him to go out for just a few drinks afterward. All the grown-ups have a look of horror on their face right now because they know exactly where this road goes. It always goes to the same place. Sure enough, the next morning, he woke up in her hotel room, having done things he should not have done with a woman who was not his wife in another city. But he decided that this is awesome. She totally gets me. So he did. He divorced his wife, kind of walked away, let her have custody of the kids. And you know the... Well, it's not funny. It's ironic. You know the ironic thing: six months after the divorce, this coworker dumped him because he did to her all the things he did to his other wife. <laughs> they never got married, but his, you know, and so. But he, I remember he was shocked. He was. He. I remember the call. Magnus, she dumped me. You know. And I, again, in my head, I'm choking. I'm trying not to say. What are you, stupid? (laughs) You know, I'm so sorry. Can I pray for you? And I mean, he felt like he lost all this big chunk of his life. He never saw it coming. Stupid is easy to spot in other people. Stupid works the same way that greed works. Stupid works the same way that pride works. You never see it in the mirror, but you catch it immediately in somebody else. And stupid works that way. And so it's very easy to spot stupid in other people. And it happens in simple things. Uh, the picture I'm using for this series, an overloaded power strip. Back in the day when I was younger, not all the electrical things were necessarily done right. And so you really could cause a fire if you overloaded a circuit, especially at Grandma and Grandpa's house. So, you know, don't put all those, you know, don't plug all those things in. It's not just going to blow a breaker. It's going to blow up. <laughs> okay? Um, you've seen people, you've driven on 27 and you've pulled up alongside somebody going 55 miles an hour and they have their phone like this and you're like, quit texting! What are you, stupid? You're going to kill us all! Or you've seen somebody that needed to reach something and so on the very top rung of a six-foot ladder, they're on their tippy toes reaching for something, right? It's so easy to spot in other people. And you know what? The people that I just told you about, including myself, I would like to think of myself this way. None of them were stupid people, as in unintelligent. I was a straight-A student when I dated Shelly. I was. I was in the top five of my class. I just did not understand women. Let me tell you, today, at age 46, I know that when a woman asks you a question the words that she uses is not always what she's really asking. Some of you are like, dang, that's all I needed? I can go home right now, just pray? (laughs) Okay. I know that now. I didn't know that then. And Jenny, you know, it took a lot of training, and Jenny showed a lot of patience to train me in that way, to know and to understand and to perceive rightly that one thing. Um. The, the Jim, Pastor Jim, the guy that got fired, he was a seminary graduate. He had three years experience in another church. He, what? What do you, you don't hang your boss in front of his bosses and everyone else. You, if you have an issue, you go privately with him. That's what you do. Duh. Can't believe, and he was, I don't understand why I was fired. this a tragic thing, awful thing. And then my friend, my friend who dumped his wife for the person that dumped him, he was college educated. I always like to think of him as being savvy. Now I'm like, I'm not seeing the savviness. (laughs) But he was savvy with business. He just wasn't savvy with relationships. And so today's bottom line is real simple, and I want him to put it up here so you can actually see it, not just hear it from my lips, okay? And it's really simple. Smart people end up in stupid places, not because they lack knowledge but because they lack wisdom. Smart people end up in stupid places, not because they lack knowledge, but because they lack wisdom. And some of you would say, oh, Max, come on, listen. Just let them get a few miles under their belt. Let them get a little bit of experience, and all experience will take care of that. I would say to you, no. Because I know a lot of 60, 65, 7-year-olds who are making stupid choices with their relationships, with their bodies and their health, at work, with the things that they say, the words that they use. I see a lot of stupid out there, and just because you have a gray hair does not make you wise. Gray hair can sometimes be an indicator of wisdom, but it is not a guarantee of wisdom, all right? So, I Smart people end up in stupid places, not because they lack knowledge, but because they lack wisdom, all right? And what I want for you is I want you to be wise. I want you to be wise. I want you to have wisdom. And wisdom is two things, two parts to it. There's a perceiving part and a doing part. The perceiving part of wisdom is being able to size up a situation and see it clearly, see it the way God sees it. And wisdom always has an active part, an action part. It's not just perceiving it rightly, it's doing the wise thing in light of what you see. It's both parts together make up wisdom. And so, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. So, if you brought your Bible, you can open it to Proverbs chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs is not a self-help book. It's not a bunch of quick fixes. It's not a set of math equations. In other words, Proverbs is not if you do X, Y always follows. That's not Proverbs. Because there are very godly people who have raised wicked children. There are wise people and righteous people who've gone bankrupt. There are wicked people who have died rich (laughs) and, you know, happy, according to their own way of thinking. So, Proverbs is not an automatic guarantee mathematical expression or, you know, mathematical equation for life. But what it is is it's a set of simple sentences that, that describe how life works most of the time. This is how life works. This is how God works most of the time. And that's what Proverbs are. Proverbs are small verbal sayings that attempt to describe how life works, how God works. And they're little short sentences that are full of it. I, the Bible's full of Proverbs from cover to cover. It's not just in the book of Proverbs. I mean, they're all over the place. One of my favorite ones is from 1 Kings 20, verse 11. This is, this is what uh, a king says to another king who's going to invade his country. One who puts on armor should not brag like one who takes it off. You know, when I hear that and I read that, I just think warf. I think this is so Klingon. This is a Klingon proverb right here, right? I can just see Worf saying this to some Romulan who's like, "We are going to toast, smoke the Enterprise." One who puts on armor should not brag like one who takes it off. You know. And what does it mean? We haven't fought yet. You shouldn't be counting the fact that you've won until it's the battle's over. That's what that means. Um, we have expressions for it. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. Don't count your chickens before they. See, Proverbs, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. And they're little small sentences that are attempting to describe, here's how life works most of the time. Here's how life works most of the time. And our language is filled with them. Proverbs are the small sentences of wisdom that, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, are also perfectly lived out by Jesus. Proverbs are small sentences of wisdom that are perfectly lived out by Jesus. Jesus lived a life of wisdom. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus lived a life of wisdom. I know this from the New Testament. In Luke 2:40, this is what the Bible says about Jesus. He was filled with wisdom beyond his years. This is describing Jesus as a boy. As a boy, Jesus was filled with wisdom beyond his years. Luke 2:52 puts it this way, Jesus grew both in height and in wisdom. In Matthew 13, verse 54, Jesus goes back to his hometown to teach and to perform miracles. And the people of his hometown are like, hey, isn't that Mary and Joseph's son? Isn't that the carpenter boy? And this is the question they ask. Where does he get his wisdom? There was a recognition of the people of his day. This guy gets life at a profound way. That is consistent with the teachings of the the scriptures. Where does he get this stuff? How is he so wise? Jesus can lead you into paths of wisdom today. He he discipled a group of disciples. And he's still discipling today. And I want to say to you that Jesus can lead you into paths of wisdom. But let's get into the text and see what that might or might not be as we get started in this series. So Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first seven verses. So Proverbs 1, 1 through, say, 4. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge, and discernment to the young. Their purpose. So, in these verses, we're going to get a here's why, here's the goal of all of these little small sentences of wisdom that are compiled in this book of Proverbs. And the first is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand. The purpose is to teach them to live. Here's the key things here to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right. So, live and do. This is the active part of wisdom. So, the first part, the first goal is to get you to actually do wise living. That's the first part of wisdom. It's actually making wise choices, living out wise choices, doing what is right. So, let's look at the next several verses, verses, uh, say, 5 and 6. Then, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. What? Oh, I got to go back. Sorry. List. There we go. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. That's right. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. So this part, let those with understanding receive guidance. This is the perceiving part of wisdom. So the first goal is that you'll actually do wise things, and unlike the preacher, actually read the right passage. And the second part is that you'll actually uh, understand and grasp situations Rightly, it's the perceiving part of wisdom. All right, and all of that leads to verse 7, which I will get right. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. All of it leads to this passage. So here's like the big theme of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Part of fear of the Lord is acknowledging who God is. If the universe has a master, the master is the Lord, not you, not me. And so it's understanding who the Lord is. But fear of the Lord, if you look at the grand scheme of the Hebrew Scriptures, is much more than that. It's an openness to God. It's an eagerness to please God. It's humility to be instructed by God. So it's this openness, this eagerness to please God, this humility that I need to be instructed by the Lord. That's part of fear of the Lord. We see it contrasted by the fool. The fool hates wisdom. So the opposite of fearing the Lord is to basically roll through life and go, I don't need to know what God thinks about things. I got it figured out. I got it. I got this. I don't need some set of principles. I don't need the scriptures. I don't need some preacher on TV telling me I need to turn left instead of turning right. I don't need God. I'm too smart for it, too busy for it, too good for it. Again, smart people end up in stupid places, not because they lack knowledge, but because they lack wisdom. Here's here's what I know to be true. Nobody has ever planned to end up in a violent relationship. I've never sat down with a 17-year-old and had her tell me, so Max, I've been mapping out my 10-year plan. I know I'm only 17, but I really like this boy. He is so hot. Okay, so I really like him. He really likes me. And in the next year, I'm just going to get pregnant. And then I'm going to move in with him because he's so, did I mention he is hot, okay? And so his dad beats his mom all the time, but he's not going to be like that, I, you know? And so, and then in a couple of years uh, of living with him, I'm going to find that he's really controlling, and he won't let me do things, and he won't let me have a phone, and then five years and two kids later, I won't even be allowed to leave the house unless he's with me, and he's in control of the complete situation. That's my plan. Nobody plans that. Nobody maps that out. They find themselves in it. But it always started with a series of choices that put them on a road that always goes to that same place. Lack of wisdom. Nobody ever plans to ruin his or her finances. Nobody ever plans. I marry young couples all the time. I love marrying young couples. They're fun. They're always fun to be around. The weddings are always fun. No young couple has ever said to me, okay, uh, <clears throat> Max, I know in the, in the vein of full disclosure, you want to tell them, honey? No, okay, I'll tell you. So, Max, here's the deal. We want to get married, but we want to go financially belly up in five years. <laughs> She's got $30,000 in student loans. I've got $40,000 in student loans. As soon as we're done getting married, we're going to buy a house that we really can't afford, but it's based on the fact that I'm going to get a promotion that just won't happen and because of that, promotion not happening, money's going to be a little tight, so we'll quit paying on the student loans. Do you know that they're going to start garnishing our wages on that? Nobody told me that the government could come in and, like, take your money. And then because the government starts doing that because we weren't paying on our student loans, we're going to get behind on the mortgage, and the bank's going to come and call the note. And in six years, man, we're going to be hosed. But, hey, the wedding's going to be awesome. Do we mention there's an open bar? It's going to be great. You should... Oh, you don't drink. so, So no one ever tells me, no one ever plans to end up financially ruined. No one. No one ever maps it out that way. Nobody plans to struggle with addiction. It's that they didn't perceive a decision or an event or in a person the right way, and they didn't act with wisdom. For my friend who lost his marriage and had the coworker dump him 6 months later two key mistakes in the beginning right he was getting emotionally connected with a coworker who was not his wife and then what completely hosed him was that second decision away on a city saying yes to going out and having just and he thought in his mind the way all people i'll be it'll be okay i'll be careful I won't be like all those other stupid people. See, that's the mistake that we all make. We're smart. We're not going to do the things all those other, you know, idiots do. We're smart. We're going to be careful, we tell ourselves. And I would say to you, if you ever find yourself saying to yourself or other people, no, 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 no," in the face of people saying, whoa, slow down, don't do that. Don't go through that door. Don't. If you find yourself saying, no, 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 it, I'll be careful. that's just, you know, think that of a giant, woo, danger, danger. Kind of a moment for you and, and for your circumstances, but my friend didn't perceive those two decisions and where it would take him. And today he would say he totally messed up and he should have never divorced his wife and walked out on his kids that way. But he made some poor choices. It happens, right? I don't want to happen to you. So he didn't. There's that two parts, right? You got to perceive the situation, the person, the event correctly. And you gotta act. You gotta act. Forrest Gump got it right. Stupid is as stupid does. Stupid does. Forrest got it right. Maybe he should have won the Oscar. Still think Shawshank should have gotten it, but let me ask a couple of questions. Let me ask you, it's like, where did that come from? It's, it's random thoughts that you should know. Let me ask you a question in light of this, alright? Do you, do you find yourself saying to yourself and to others on a regular basis, on the whole, I got life figured out, I know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. When people are telling you things, do you find yourself with ferocity saying, I know, I know, I know. If that's you, as your friend today, I would like to suggest that maybe, maybe you should listen Because that's the I know is often an indicator that the humility-teachability part is somehow not running at peak efficiency, right? So that's that's the first question. The second question is, are you willing to concede that the universe does in fact have a master and that that person is not you? In other words, are you willing to let Jesus and the way Jesus lived and what the Bible teaches be the center of authority for how you make decisions and how you go about living life. So, those are two questions to kind of filter out this stuff about not being stupid. Because all of you in this room, I believe, you're smart people. The Generations is a church, primarily college educated people. You know, you did well on the ACT, <laughs> you've got good jobs. You're doing great things for Central Baptist, for UK, for all these places, for Asbury. I mean, but the thing is, the thing is, what you need is wisdom. What you need is wisdom. So what do you do? Let me, I want to outline several things to start as we start off this series. The first thing that I want to challenge you to do is read the book of Proverbs. It's 31 chapters. Read the book of Proverbs. And we're going to put up, I'm going to put up five categories that the book of Proverbs hits. That if you just looked and read at the book of Proverbs looking for these five things and maybe took notes or underlined in certain colors, okay? Five things that come up regularly in the book of Proverbs one is speech and words. How many, you know, to be a celebrity in America is actually hard. You have to manage your image. You have to look a certain way all the time. You can't have an off-hair day or an off-clothing day because uh, what's the TMZ will totally report it. It'll, you know, it'll get it. So you have to work really hard at maintaining your celebrity status. But your celebrity status gets you endorsements. It gets you swag bag at events. It gets you all kinds of things. How many celebrities have we known that because of a tweet 140 characters or less, they basically have tanked their career by one 140-character utterance. Proverbs has a lot to say about speech and words and wisdom about how to walk out speech and words and what to say when and when to shut up, basically. Another category that comes up a lot in Proverbs, work and what you do when you're at work and how you work. Another category that comes up, relationships. Come on, don't we all know really smart people who keep messing up in relationships? I mean, it seems like anybody my age has a friend who they're always on the phone with and they're like, why can't he figure this out? Why can't she figure this out? They keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, you know, duh, what are you? Stupid, okay? So Proverbs has a lot to say about relationships. has a lot to say about money and wealth. There is a lot in the book of Proverbs about how to handle money, right up in there. And there's a lot in the book of Proverbs, believe it or not, about God and how God works and what God wants from you and me and for you and for me. So one assignment is read the book of Proverbs. It's October, what, 5th? It's October 5th. If you did a chapter a day, you could finish up a few days after Halloween. So read the book of Proverbs. I'm serious. Second Second piece of homework, second piece of application is evaluate. For those of you that are older, if you found yourself on the other side of stupid, I have. If you found yourself on the other side of stupid, were there any small, seemingly small, or key decisions that in hindsight seemed to put you on a path that led you there? What have you learned? It's good to evaluate and go back. What have you learned? One of the things I learned uh, as an elementary school janitor in the crux of being f- newly married, did I mention I had a hard time perceiving women? God put me in a building full of women teachers, women assistants. There were like 80 of them, and there were three men, me, the principal, and the uh, janitor. Not the janitor, I was the janitor, the gym teacher. So the gym teacher, the principal, and I were the only three. I watched the principal and the gym teacher get gobbled up week after week because of things they said, because of an inability to listen. One of the things I learned real quick was, just listen. It's hard. Oh, I still want to fix things. Let me just tell you, here's what you need to do. <laughs> it's a good way to die in certain relationships. It really is. So I'm just saying, evaluate. Second thing is evaluate. The last, last thing is really simple, and I'm going to put this verse up. It's from 1st James, uh, not 1st James, it's from the book of James 1.5. Boy, I'm like scripturally impaired today. All right, that's not good in the pulpit. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God and he will give it to you. If you need what? Wisdom. Ask who? God. Not just any God, but a generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. One thing you could do right here, from here on out, is God, make me wise. Give me wisdom. I seek to be wise. I want to be wise. One of the prayers that I prayed for a good decade in my life, from age 20 to about age 30, was Luke 2, 40, the passage where it says, Jesus was wise beyond his years. I prayed that. I asked God consistently for a decade of my life. God, make me wise beyond my years. I knew starting out in ministry, I knew with the bumps in my marriage, I needed to learn wisdom. And I prayed that daily for a decade. In hindsight, I think God spared me from about my mid-30s on, I really haven't had any major on the other side of stupids. So, see, people can learn because I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack and if God can do that for me, boy, He can do that for you. So, Read the book of Proverbs, evaluate, and claim this promise. Claim this promise. Jesus will lead you into paths of wisdom. I want to.